Greetings and welcome to Outlaw Gamer Radio, the official podcast of OutlawGamers.com. This is the show where we live to play and play to live. I'm Brent Adams, joined by a man who found out the hard way after an all-you-can-eat Chinese buffet in Mexico City that the markings can be erased, but the memories will always be with you. Mr. Lauren Baumgarten, Lauren! (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> what's up, Brent? What's up? What's up, Brent? How are you? You've taken something beautiful and you've 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 just you've smeared it for lack I literally of a better. Have smeared it for lack of a better well, pun. figuratively, literally. Ah, what's the difference? Who cares? It's the 21st century. Am I right or am I right or am I right? You are right. Welcome uh, back from vacay, Lauren. Thank you. Yes, I apologize to you and to all of our listeners for uh, my travel time took longer. Than anticipated, I was not able to get back for the tight schedule on which the show is produced, and so I apologize. <laughs> yes, tight as a drum. The the production of this show, tight as a drum. Yes. Uh, so I apologize for not uh, that the show's coming out a day late, but hopefully you will find it chocked full of goodness, and you'll be glad that you waited. It's chock full of something. Uh, let's start with the uh, let's start with the garage first up. We have the No Man's Sky Infinite Worlds PS4 trailer. It's a nice trailer. It's got lots of beautiful uh, settings. It's got lots of intriguing gameplay. It's got interesting music. And it does a whole lot of stuff that would get you excited for No Man's Sky. The one thing it doesn't have is a goddamn release date, Lauren Am I right or am I right or am I right? I I really put this on the docket this week, Brent, honestly, because I sat there watching this thing thinking if there and and I kind of knew there wasn't because I feel like so this was posted on our website and Mm -hmm. I feel like if there was a release date, somebody would have put in the post, whoever posted it would have put in the post, Mm -hmm. you know, release date for No Man's Sky. So I kind of had an inkling that it wasn't. But I watched this trailer and thought to myself. If there's not a goddamn release date, and I am so excited for this game, Brent. Yes, I am too. But I thought, if there's not a goddamn release date at the end of this game, forget it. I'm not buying it. <laughs> that might be a little rash. Extreme? No, yes. No, I, I just... I, this is for, it's, That's what she said, it's just I'm super excited for this game, and I support Hello Games as, uh, and to no end. I'll talk about this game from now until the end of time, or at least until it comes out. But... Uh, I, I I feel like more than any other game I've ever seen this. There, it's I, I feel like maybe 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 it's not even really a game. Maybe it's just a trailer factory they're running over there. <laughs> but I feel like they're putting out trailers like every two weeks. They didn't and actually create a game engine. They they created a, tra- a trailer engine. A trailer I mean, engine, I feel like they're yeah. putting them out every two weeks, and and it's great. Uh, but they're pretty similar. Uh, and I, I'm ready for a release date already. I, I've seen enough. I, I understand yeah. the worlds are infinite, yeah. which 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 I, I also means I understand that you could put out an infinite number of trailers <laughs> showing <laughs> different planets and, and, and so forth. I, I understand that. Most, and rain most video and, games are limited in the fact that they can only put out so many trailers before everything that's in the game has been put out in the trailer. Right. So there's that, of course. Uh, yeah, so I, I I, we get you. it. We get it. Just put out a goddamn release date and then put out the game. I, I either want to see either want to see profoundly different gameplay than we've seen so far, or I want the release date. I'm kind of I, I, I'm I don't need to be sold on the game anymore. I'm sold on the game. I'm excited for the game. Mission accomplished. Where's the release date? And if you don't have the release date, then. I don't know. I guess like I, I, I guess that I, I am in the same place with you in that watching this trailer, I kind of felt like 
If you don't have a release date, then I don't really know what you're doing here. Moving on. <laughs> uh, Randy Pitchford has addressed, well, to a degree, some of the conspiracy theories, some of the more, let's just say, unkind claims regarding himself, Gearbox Software, the exchange of money in the exchange of money for their work on Aliens Colonial Marines. And of course, this game was plagued with problems and was not very well received. And let's face it, people are flat out accusing Gearbox of pocketing the money and not really putting their all into the game. And, and Randy Pitchford talks a little bit about that and his perspective on the matter. And I don't know, Lauren, what did you think? Does uh, does he come off as sincere to you? Do, do you? do you think that he's just saying, hey, here's what happened, and you know, sometimes you can spend money and time and have really good intentions and still make a shitty game. It can, it can happen to the best, which is another way of saying it can happen to Gearbox. Yeah, I kind of I, I felt like this article ended when, when he said that he lost 10 to $15 million of his own money. Yeah. I kind of feel like at that point you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> Obviously, you weren't, you know, they're accusing him of embezzling. Um, I, I do think, I mean, I, I do believe my, I didn't hear him. I didn't hear him say this and a lot of sort of assessing whether or not you believe somebody is nonverbal cues, obviously. Certainly. Um, but, uh, you know, he said, he said he lost 10 to $15 million of his own money. And, you know, he, he explains like people make things that are bad. We, we thought this was like, why, how, how does it benefit us to, to make it purposely make a game that's not good to, to, to what? To not make money? Like, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I don't get the impression that they were able to enter Chapter 11 because of it and release some of their debt or, yeah. you know. And I, I, think that, I think that to the uninitiated, that there's often... Well, I had a job many years ago. I worked at a, I worked at a uh, mom-and-pop video store, which was a really sweet gig. If, if it paid, like, $85,000 a year, I'd still be there. But um, anyway, the store... Because that's what we get paid for doing this, in case yeah, you guys weren't exactly. clear. Exactly. But uh, the, the, store was, the store was just as fast and loose a thing as you can imagine in terms of how it was run and how the, the accounting and everything worked. And everybody involved sort of talked about oh you know this is like like this store is actually losing money because it's you know it, it's better it's better for taxes it, it's good to have a tax write-off a business that loses money and nobody really understood what the tax code was that would explain how a you know running a, a business losing money was actually better for you but um you know like everybody everybody kind of makes that claim and i, I don't know like i kind of think it's like it's the same mentality that goes into like conspiracy theories and things like that. You know, people would rather believe these vast uh, shadowy organizations are controlling things rather than face the horrific reality that sometimes things just go wrong, you know, and that there is an element of randomness and chance in the universe. And I don't know, that, that's, that's kind of what it smacks of to me. Like, I don't particularly see a conspiracy here. I just see a company that maybe didn't put quite as much focus or polish, uh, polish into the final product as they should have. And it's not like Gearbox alone is responsible for that. You know, that, that game traded hands half a dozen times before we saw it. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I, I thought it was interesting that it came out and spoke about it. Mm -hmm. I think it's an interesting read uh, for all you conspiracy theorists out there. Uh, but I do, um, 
I, I, I personally don't see any conspiracy except maybe a conspiracy of bad taste. There is that, of course. Um, here's an interesting story, something that I never expected to, nope. <laughs> to have in the garage. Uh, almost 10 years after it was released, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 2, the amazing follow-up to uh, the original Bioware KOTOR Star Wars RPG, has received an extensive official update. Lauren, would you... Why don't you just run down some of the things that you can now do in, in KOTOR 2 on... I think PC, Mac, and Linux all got this update, didn't they? Yeah, this is a weird one, man. And, and I have to say, I, I, never, I never played this game. Yeah. But I, but I have heard it talked about quite a bit, and now I'm debating. And it is actually... It's actually on sale now, down from nine ninety nine to a low seven forty nine. Oh, it's a steal. If you're interested. It was a steal US at nine ninety nine, but come US on. US American dollars. Uh, what they've done to the game is actually apparently quite a bit. They've added achievements, mm-hmm. of course. 37 achievements. Uh, Steam Cloud saves, which is great. That's awesome. But the big ones are uh, native widescreen resolution support. Wow. <laughs> up to 4 and 5K, uh, which I didn't even know 5K was a thing. Yeah. Uh, controller support. Uh, Steam Workshop support, okay, well, including... That, hold on just one second. Hold on just one second. Because it's not just controller support, but it actually supports both... Uh, Xbox Series controllers, 360 and 1, but also PlayStation 3 and 4 controllers, too. Yep. Which is cool. Uh, and more, and like other controllers as well. Um, and then one of the biggest ones uh, is the Steam Workshop support. So uh, it's it says, we proudly worked with the Restored Content Mod team to have their famous TSLRCM, which apparently was a is described as a year-spanning project that aimed to return the proper the game to its proper form rather than the sloppy stitched together version that was originally released due to publisher and pressure time constraints. So uh, there's it, it, the mod adds a handful of endings and the infamous HK factory among other things and fixes hundreds of bugs. Uh, so all of this has been added uh, to the game ten years later. Uh, at no additional cost. And the game is on sale. For those who are wondering, uh, that is the Sith Lords Restored Content Mod. Good man, the, good man, good uh, man, yes. So, I, so I don't know, Brent. I mean, this is, 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 am I wrong that this is widely regarded as one of the best Star Wars games? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, KOTOR 2, yeah. Yeah, KOTOR 2 is a pretty... Uh, I mean, I, I, I would say that probably... I don't know. I think most people I know consider it superior to the first one. Uh, but yeah, KOTOR 2, it's, that was a big honking deal, son. And uh, it's remarkable to see. I mean, I guess I'd pretty much figure this game was end of life. Uh, you know, I just, I just never imagined that there'd be another official update, much less what we've seen here. So good on them. I, I, I'm wondering if this is, is there a reason that this has happened now? Has something shifted behind the scenes? Is there, I don't know. I, I just, I would really like, I would love to hear uh, from, uh, from Asper Media about uh, why they're doing this now and, and if there's anything else that uh, we might have to look forward to. But anyway, they're they're not commenting as of yet, but uh, perhaps we'll find out. But indeed. great news nonetheless. Yes, indeed. Um, Speaking of conspiracies, Lauren, yes. in hindsight, we should, have re- we should have reordered these stories so that we could have that segue from the uh, from the Randy Pitchford thing, but speaking of conspiracies, there's a really interesting vid that is making the rounds, showing off some of the some of the uh, the gameplay in Metal Gear Solid Ground Zero, specifically 
what is it? The Deja Vu missions where, where you're playing yep. as, as Snake from, uh, from Metal Gear Solid. And part of the gameplay involves going around the base and finding, like, on, you know, on walls, on the roofs of guard sheds and things like that, the logos from the previous Metal Gear games. And apparently the gameplay involved means uh, the gameplay involved is you shine a flashlight on those on those game logos and the ones that have been directed by Hideo Kojima will fade out. And you're also talking with uh, you're talking with Master Miller of the radio and he's providing some commentary and stuff. And basically people are saying that Kojima knew that the rift with Konami was like, like all of this stuff apparently had kind of already happened by the time ground zeros was done because you can essentially erase his name. Well, not really his name, but you can erase the titles of all the games that he's directed. And there's some interesting and, and slightly ominous dialogue that goes along with it. Uh, the, the, the reference that uh, I made at the top of the show about you can erase the markings, but the memories will always be with you. And I don't know. You know people are just kind of talking like, uh, the, the rift apparently that drove Konami and Kojima apart happened well before Ground Zeroes came out, and they actually made some commentary about it in the gameplay. Yeah, I mean, I I, I haven't read this story other than any other than where we link to it, which is on Gamespot. Um, but I mean, I, I just can't imagine what the hell else that would be. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like other than a, an absolute direct reference to that brand. I mean, it's, it's, it's so overt. Uh, and the language is, you know, thank you for your, you know, he also says, thank you for your support. Yeah. And, um, there, there's a, a, there's you know, a psycho mantis reference where he says, Oh, you seem to like Hideo Kojima games, which was, you know, one, right. of, one of the really neat things about playing the original metal gear on the PlayStation was that, uh, psycho mantis would scan your memory card and if they found if he found game saves from other Konami titles or things like that, he'd have a comment about right. you playing, you know, Castlevania or something like that. Right. And I can't. Um, and, and then you know, it says exactly what you just said, followed by "Thank you for your support." Right. Um, I, I can't imagine what that would be if it wasn't what we're talking about. Again, I, I haven't read any more information. This story just broke within the last you know couple of days. Uh, and I'll be curious to hear if there's any kind of response or other theories or, or what have you. But um, I, at face value, at least, it, it seems pretty straightforward. I agree. I, I and, and it's not like oh, like we were just talking about with Metal Gear Solid. It's not as though Kojima hasn't broken the fourth wall in games before to great Bro, eff- to great effect. Yep. And I wouldn't at all be surprised that uh, that it's happened here. And frankly. It it actually kind of makes sense to me that it would have it would have been something that was kind of a long time coming, and it's just that the public at large didn't really find out about it until you know until they actually pulled the name pulled his name from the uh, you know from the game's website, and that's obviously what set, you know set off all the all the public interest and everything. And uh, yeah, I, I kind of agree. I think that's probably exactly what's probably exactly what's going on the last little thing that's sort of interesting about this is the metal gear titles that kojima didn't work on <laughs> there's this 
They're, they're all kind of treated. Don't disappear. Yeah, well, they don't disappear when you shine the flashlight right. on, but also the commentary uh, from Master Miller is like, huh, uh, must not be anything important. Or, you know, right, yeah, something that's right. kind of dismissive <laughs> like that. So, yeah, it's, yes. it's, it's pretty cheeky in and of itself. But, yeah, it's interesting. Go watch the video if you haven't already. It's, uh, it's a neat little Easter egg. Indeed it is. All right, Lauren. Last yes. up, this is a cool yes. story. I saw Jess Condit talking about this a little bit, uh, but I know her. Yeah, I, I've heard of her also. Uh, but set up this uh, set up this next story. Yeah, so I thought this was really interesting as well, Brent. I, I, and I, I don't know if it's going to be successful or not, but it's very it's there's a, it's interesting. So there's a game called the Flock, F L O C K, just to be clear, mm-hmm. uh, that is being theoretically being released this autumn. We don't have a specific date yet. Uh, and it is built. It, it's it's an asymmetrical multiplayer game, uh, but but the thing that is sort of most unique about this game is that there is an actual expiration date for the game. Yeah. So it's kind of a it's a horror game in which uh, everybody starts out sort of. I'm, I'm assuming on the periphery or in different places in the map, and there is sort of a glowing orb. And the first person to get to that orb, it actually turns into a like a giant flashlight. Uh, they are now be, they now become the hunted, and everyone else in the flock is hunting them. Uh, once and it's dark out. It's nighttime. It's spooky. It's creepy. Uh, and in, in in the uh, article we embedded, there's a there's some alpha gameplay footage. Um, once that person is killed, uh, uh, I'm sorry. Now, now hold so, on. Now what happens is the person who gets to the light first, right? Become I can't remember what they call it, like the champion or, or something. Right. I know, can't remember what it's there, called. There, there's some title, but anyway, yep. at that point, they have the ability to kill kill members, members of, the, of flock. the flock. Which right. they can do by shining kind of Alan Wake style, shining the light on them. And if you right. if you are one of the players who is still a member of the flock, if you move while the light is shined on you, you die. Oh, so I didn't catch that piece. But yeah. Uh, so, however, what if if a member of the flock dies, uh, it, it 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 takes away one life from the grand total of all the lives that are uh, um, like the flock. The game starts out in game population. Whatever that number Correct. is, is reduced by one. Right, and when that and when that number which means gets one to less zero, person can play the game at that point. I don't think I caught that either. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, let's just say as an example that the the the, the in game population of the flock is five hundred, and in a match one person dies. That means that from that point forward, only four hundred and ninety nine people can play the can flock. play the game simultaneously. Correct. Right, right, simultaneously. I'm sorry. Yes, I, I interpreted what you were saying as like no one else could buy the game, kind of thing. Right. I'm no, not that, sure that, that comes later. Right, so <laughs> so when when the in-game flock, I'm curious to know what the number is going to start at. You know, it could be, it, it's uh, well, arbitrary from our perspective. It'll just be like however many people buy the game and load it up, you know. Like however many people buy the game initially, they'll probably, you know, set some. That, that is one way to do it, the, the, or the original number might be 100,000, who, yeah, who knows. But, uh, but I don't think it would be, I don't think it would be what you suggested, Brent, because at what point, so if only a thousand people buy it in the first week and then a thousand people die within the first week. The, so here's the kicker. When the in-game population gets to zero, the game is over. The game is literally over. They no are going to shut down the server. No more people can buy it. The so game so no more people. Well, no. So the game. So no more people. Once it hits zero, no more people can buy it. Yeah. Uh, once once that happens, anybody who already owns the game will still be able to play it and get an end game scenario, yeah, some sort of climax to the game that they have predetermined. And once once you've played the end game, you're then done with the game. And after, I'm assuming they're going to give it some amount of time, Brent, uh, or or after a certain you know everybody has played the end game or whatever, the game will no longer be accessible at all. Yeah. 
So nobody else, if, if that makes sense. So if there's, there's 10,000 people that bought the game and the number gets down to zero, those, nobody else can ever buy the game again. And those 10,000 people will get to play the end story, but that's it. Nothing else. Right. And the servers themselves will shut down. So there'll be no more multiplayer play um, once that number hits zero. And I, so, so because of that, Brent, I don't know if it would be the amount of people that bought it. Because if, if 1,000 people bought it and then they got to zero before... No, the, the, you're right. Like, as soon as, you know as, I, mean? soon as I said it, I was like, no. It doesn't it, work. It couldn't right. be that. Like, it'd have to be... Like, if they were going to do something it has like to be a that, number. it'd have to be like a multiple. It'd be like, you know, so... You know, like if a thousand people buy it in the first week, we're going to multiply that number by ten and say that's the theoretical maximum because it's unlikely that ten right, times whatever that number will ever purchase the game. Yeah, so I thought this is a really interesting uh, endeavor, Brent. I mean, I, so you know, one of the questions, the first question comes to mind is, would you buy a game that you know is going to a multiplayer game that you know is finite? Um, yes, because everybody already does that already. The only difference between this yes, it's and, called single player. and every other multiplayer game that is out there is that they're just talking ahead of time about the fact that one day the servers are going to go dark and people aren't going to be able to buy it or play it anymore. Now, what's interesting about this game is that, and, and, and please understand what I'm saying, I'm not accusing them of, of just making this like a publicity stunt or something like that. They have built game mechanics around the idea of this game having a finite lifespan. Like an actual end, not oh, we're shutting down the servers because not enough people are playing it anymore. Yeah, but what we what, there's an arc here that will end, and that's what's interesting because to me, acknowledging the fact that no multiplayer game, I, I mean, even World of Warcraft, it, it, it even World of Warcraft will probably will probably go off end at one some day, point. Yes, you know? yeah. Um, but it's interesting to me that they are acknowledging the fact that people are going to get interested in the game, play the game, and then interest is going to wane. It's going to drop off, and eventually the game's going to go away. And they said, well, rather than just sort of pretend that that's not going to happen and not acknowledge it, why don't we build a game that has an end built into it? So as opposed to it just sort of fizzling out and going away, we'll give people a proper end. We'll do some sort of big game climax, and then we'll close out. We'll have closure to it. And that's a cool idea. It is a cool idea. There's going to be a very delicate balance here between price point and when, when that time is. Yeah. And it's kind of weird because the more popular your game is, the more quickly it's going to end. And so if the game goes, abs- I mean, if it gets you know reviewed extremely well and it goes absolutely bananas and it shuts down in, inside of two weeks, you, you might find yourself a little more upset that you spent forty nine ninety nine on it. I'm just making that up. Yep. Um, or if, and regardless of price, if the game goes, doesn't ever reach that point, that unique aspect of that game becomes almost meaningless, right? Right. If you actually lose interest, if it takes five years before they do this, then right. Who cares? And, and as far as I know, Brent, they, they have no precedent on which to base their, their, their thought processes their so, or whatever. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know how they're going to figure out. Is it is it ten thousand deaths or is it a hundred thousand deaths or you know what I mean like, and the more you want to play the game, the more rapidly you're actually working towards the game's demise. Yeah, it's it's interesting. It's an interesting sort of experiment. I, I'm curious to see what comes of it. I I actually really kind of applaud them for trying to do something a little bit different and also 
also just tell people, yeah, the game's going to end, and that's okay. It's, a, it's okay that we're going to play this game and have a really good time with it for a certain amount of time, right. and then it's going to go away. That's okay. Uh, because, I mean, certainly, you know, we've talked about on the show before about game preservation and all that stuff and about how we want to have, like, all those experiences from those games and consoles that are no longer made. And that that's one side of it, and that's completely valid. But it's also really interesting to see somebody take the other track with it and say, no, it it's meant to not last forever, and... And that's valid too. That that's it's it's just an interesting choice. I agree, Brent. This this game definitely has my interest peaked. I definitely am interested to see how it plays out. And honestly, I, I'm trying really. This is where Daniel Kaiser would insert some sort of flocking joke. But, yes, yes, but he would. I think I think I will avoid it and, and just get the flog out. Oh, of here. damn you, damn you. <laughs> We are back in the clubhouse, Brent, and we have, guess what, a topic this week. Yeah. Yeah. But before we do, guess what else we have? A poll. It's a poll, Brent. I knew it. We have a poll. Well, let's go ahead and talk about the poll. Uh, Of course, uh, last episode, we were talking about whether or not feature creep has harmed open world titles, and we asked you all to answer the question. Has feature creep harmed open world titles? With 15%, the number three answer was no. I want a rich experience with a lot of game mechanics. The number two answer with 20% was definitely many games would benefit from keeping things simple and focused. But the overwhelming majority of those who voted on this subject, 65%, and the number one answer said only when the game's design fails to keep things balanced balance took the middle of the road Brent. well you know being in the middle of the road requires balance and so does balancing an open world game with lots and lots of features and many other things in life so thank you all for uh, voting in the poll and for leaving your comments on last week's subject this week's subject is is another pretty interesting one lauren yeah this one comes to us from kotaku an author named nathan grayson which i actually don't think is his real name i think that's his superhero identity but uh, that just sounds like I, I, I think this guy was Robin at one point. I'm not sure. Um, which which, which means he's, he's got a lot to look forward to. That's right. Uh, if you, ever see, if you yes. ever see anybody walking towards you with a crowbar, run the other way. That's all I'm saying. Uh, this, this article is about a game that is not uh, officially released yet. It's a game that's in uh, early access okay. called Rust. Uh, it is an open world chaotic uh, survival uh, murder fest, <laughs> uh, essentially. Um, I have not played the game. Wait, are you, but the are article, you ready for political office now? Because the the, uh, the article in question, uh, the article in question, uh, is about their the decision during early access uh, in response to the lack of characters of color in the game. Apparently, everybody was white. Uh, and uh, I, were they all dudes, Brent? Was the gender part of this? I, I can't remember. Uh, I think I think originally they were all males. They have since introduced uh, the female Females. gender into yes. the mix, and, and as well as uh, different racial profiles, different skin colors, and that sort of thing. And the the interesting thing about this, Brent, though, is the creators of Rust chose to uh, choose arbitrarily for you your race and gender, right? Uh, and thrust it upon you. Uh, and then uh, you are unable to change it. Like an unsympathetic god. Like, that's exactly... Here's your race, that is, here's your gender. Go fuck yourself. 
<laughs> That's exactly right. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing here is, of course, that most games like this, uh, most open world games where you have anything that has to do with character creation include race and gender as a choice. Sure. Uh, here they have chosen not to uh, for several reasons. Uh, Brent, most of which is because it was the easiest thing for them to oh, do. Oh, I was going to say publicity. Yeah, keep talking. Uh, the, the, right. And up there right with that is the absolute publicity. Uh, no, no, no. It's actually... Uh, so they so in this uh, article, Kotaku spoke with uh, Gary Newman, who is the game's lead. And basically, he said they tried to do something different. They wanted a way to recognize people beyond their names. Kind of a fingerprint is what he said. Yep. Uh, and they already kind of had this little voice, but they wanted to push it further. And they said they basically decided that the, the most equitable way to do this would be to sort of uh, apply these different racial skins uh, yep. uh, randomly. And right now in the game, they're applied... Um, evenly throughout the game. So I don't know how many different colors they currently have. Again, this is early access, so there's going to be more. Uh, But there has been some backlash to this. As a matter of fact, not an insignificant amount of backlash. Um, Albeit, you know, not everybody for sure, a minority. No pun intended. Um, (laughs) I I I love how not sure you are. (laughs) I I had to stop there for a second and think, oh my gosh, I just accidentally made a pun. Great, now I've stepped into Daniel Kaiser. Yep. I've just stepped in it. Um, uh, it is the minority, but there, but they have been a, a loud minority, and some people have been very offended by this and very upset. Uh, some people, uh, and, and Newman talks about how he thinks that you know part of this is probably people's desire to uh, play with a certain type of character, whether that's representative of themselves or not. Yeah. Uh, certain people like to play with certain types of character. I know, for example, in case you guys don't know this, I am not African-American, uh, though I may sound like it. Um, <laughs> but uh, typically, when I have, when I have a, an opportunity to make an uh, in-game avatar and I get choices, very frequently, I make it a black male and preferably with the largest afro I can find. That's right. Uh, mostly because that's what I wish I was. But... Uh, but there are people who prefer to play with a different, you know, a specific type, whether it's a gender. You know, I know a lot of guys who like to play the female characters yep. Um, yep. Uh, because there's there's not uh, many of them and they just they like them. They think this badass. Um, and, and so a lot of people tend to want to play a certain thing. And so so uh, some people he thinks maybe are a little bit upset about that, uh, about the inability to play with um what they choose. And then, you know, one of the other things he mentioned is, is that because, and this is, this is actually kind of funny and I could see why this would piss some people off. Uh, they took this, the, the exact same character model. They didn't change any of the features or anything and, and just sort of gave it. He, he uses the word blacked up. Yeah. <laughs> like, which is another way of saying it looks like blackface. It looks like blackface to people who have been playing the game. If you haven't been playing the game, you would never know. It looks like somebody been, that did a less perfect makeup job of Robert Downey Jr. in Tropic Thunder is what it looks like. Uh, yeah, so if you've been playing the game for a long time and you're used to this character, this white male character, and all of a sudden he's the exact same character just with some skin tone, it can be misread as blackface and can be misread as insulting. Right. And so, um, uh, so it's created this interesting dynamic, Brent, and apparently there's been a little racism coming through in the game, and there was talk in the studio about whether or not they should censor that. Um, which they ultimately decided not to do. So it's it's actually brought up some some uh, uh, interesting situations within the game's world. And again, this is a game. Think like think Daisy ish um, in terms of like just being out there. Like your characters. I, I believe I haven't played the game, but you're just sort of out yeah, there, it, right? It's, the it's an open is, world survival game. Yeah, and so. Um, I, you know, I, I don't. I don't get the impression they're displeased with the sort of the challenges and difficulties that occur in our real world seeping into the game. 
Um, I don't know, Brent. What do you think? Do you think? Do you think it's it's uh, odd to? You know, it's one thing if you're if a character is thrust upon you, like when we pay, play Lara Croft, or that you know he uses Master Chief, or you know your story is built around this character, and you play the character, Tip- correct? Or otherwise, typically you have a choice yeah. of uh, of what to do. What do you think about this whole? We're gonna tell you what kind of character you're gonna be, and that's just what you're gonna be. I think that most of the analysis and criticism surrounding this is infinitely smarter than anything that actually went into the development of this game mechanic. Um, well, I, thank you. I appreciate that. I, I don't know. I, I kind of feel like, <laughs> I kind of feel like there's this fascinating, there's this fascinating sort of, uh, contradictory conversation kind of, kind of going on. And, and obviously there's political undertones to this and, uh, you know, and, and people are people are starting to kind of get up on a soapbox and say, you know, like if you play this game and you're not happy with the character you're dealt, you're racist. And uh, there, there's a there's one quote from The Escapist that really that, that really struck me as interesting. He says, "Rust uh, assigning all these things randomly based on your Steam number, with the assignment being permanent, just like in real life, you're stuck with what God dealt you." And I thought that that was a really ironic statement, given the fact that there's all this controversy, at least in the U.S. I don't know how much this is uh, making uh, waves in in the international news arena but uh here in the u.s there's this interesting controversy going on right now over caitlin jenner who used to be bruce jenner and was recently uh was recently recognized with an espy award from espn and there's all this discussion over the fact that here's a person who is not stuck with what god dealt them and that they have decided to change based on what they feel they uh, they want to represent as which in this case you know Bruce Jenner now wants to be Caitlyn Jenner and people are you know debating over whether or not that is valid and how much you know society at large has to sort of participate in someone's uh, self identification as a woman versus a man and you know these kinds of things and so it's really interesting that this game is is kind of I, I mean like we're literally kind of having a you know a discussion about whether or not you can choose to be what you want to be. And this game come, comes along and says you don't get to choose what you want to be. And people are like really praising it as being high-minded and progressive and just, you know, really, really forward-thinking. And I'm like, I don't know. Like, I think they kind of backed into this accidentally. And, <laughs> you know, and they ended up, like, like, it stirred up a bunch of controversy because gamers are like, hey, we're used to being able to pick our, our races and genders and do what we want. And... I think that this political component kind of got added in and then suddenly it becomes a thing. It suddenly becomes like a social discussion. And I don't know, like, I think that there's, there's a lot of interesting things that can come out of that social discussion, but I'm not really sure that the game was ever trying to be the, the Avenue or the launching pad for social discourse that they're now kind of framing it as I find myself a little bit skeptical about that. I think they're, I think that that's happened and I think that they're taking advantage of it, but I'm just not so sure that this was what they had always In, their, intended their intention. To be. Yeah. Right. I don't yeah. Know. I mean, maybe I'm just being cynical, but yeah, no. And, and it's, and, um, You know, I don't think in the article he says, like, we put this in here with the specific intent of trying to, you know, invoke in people the feelings of what it's like to end up as a minority despite their desire not to. You know, know, I don't think he intimates necessarily that that was their intent. I think they're just responding to kind of how it's evolved. 
Right. And, and certainly making comments about how it's played out in terms of like, well, we didn't necessarily expect that, that it might have this, you know, sort of reaction. But when it did, you know, we were sort of discussing how do we deal with it. And, um, I, you know, it's certainly interesting. I, I can't think of another example. Can you, Brent, of a, a game in which you're sort of where, where you have to take a character and not necessarily a comic character, but a more realistic character. Yeah. Um, but it's not the same character. So it's not you and I playing both playing Nathan Drake or I can play, you know what I mean? But like where there might be five or six or seven models. I, I cannot remember playing one. That's not to say that nobody's ever made one, but I can't remember playing. one. Yeah. I'm curious to know if our listeners uh, um, think can think of anything. Some of the, some of the thing that kind of bugs me about this is how easily people want to, you know, throw around like that. People want to throw around that accusation of racism and bigotry. I read it, yeah. it wasn't from the escapist, but I can't remember which which story because I've read several pieces on this. But one of the stories I read, the, the the analysis intimated that the only people who are upset about not being able to change their gender are privileged white males, and I found that really I like I found that ironically bigoted in its own way. It's like oh, okay, so let's just uh, let's just you know carve out a demographic of people and, and we'll just make some ad hominem attack. Like you have no idea the kinds of people that are you know upset by this. You have no idea the players involved, their race or gender, you know whatever, and that kind of thing bugs me a little bit because I, I just I found it completely un uh, constructive to to the conversation, but. Despite what I was saying a second ago about kind of being skeptical as to you know some grand master plan to bring this about, it is interesting to give people no choice where they are used to having buttloads of choice. You know, you play a game like Mass Effect, you play a game like you know Swotor or whatever, and you know you can customize everything. It's like you know what color pubic hair do you want? And, you know, you can do that. And it's it's interesting to sort of take uh, a paradigm of character customization that some games, not all, but some games have taken to an incredible degree of customization, and then to suddenly take that away. And it's interesting to see how how people are reacting to that. Now, whether or not this actually yields any kind of useful information about... Uh, about race, about gender, about societal stigma, and, and you know how we view those things, how we deal with those things. I don't know. I I, I wonder about uh, as an example, like we talked about that scientific uh, that scientific research study that used VR to basically place you in the body of the opposite gender and the the kind of just the, the the sort of disassociative effect it would have on a person viewing themselves in the mirror as uh, the, the gender they were not born with. And that the, the point of that was to, you know, try to kind of help people imagine what it's like for human beings who have that gender dysphoria over their own gender identity. And, you know, that absolutely was trying to, was that, it was trying to get people to think, it was trying to wake people up. I'm not sure if that's going to occur here or not, but it will be interesting to see if anything comes out of it other than just the sort of, I don't know, slight bickering that seems to be going on over it right now. Yeah, I, you know, I bet I bet who's even more curious is the gaming company to see if it does anything for their sales. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I mean, no, no press is bad press, right? And this is certainly, you know, a game that I had 
you know, perhaps heard of, but certainly wasn't paying attention to, that is now uh, a topic, the main topic of conversation uh, in our show. And so I, I do wonder if it's going to translate to sales for them or not. Uh, certainly, I agree with you that one of the most interesting aspects to me is, it, it, like you said, Brent, is less about the race and more about that idea of taking away uh, choice where typically gamers would expect choice. Yeah. And, I, and I wonder, you know, I, I wonder if they will be able to survive that particular backlash because if there's one thing that gamers uh, repeatedly are banging their hammers about, it, it's choice. Especially PC um, gamers. I mean, that's, you know, that's one of the things. Well, certainly they, as it comes to with, with an open world yeah, th- as well. Th- that's certainly one of the things about the platform that, you know, the PC gamers expect is a high level of custom, uh, customization yep. in their games and so forth. And I don't know. I, I'm just, I guess I'm just kind of, I'm, I'm wary of, of making any kind of accusations or assigning any kind of motivations to a person who says that they're not crazy about, well, okay. Just, just as an example, um, there's, there's a screenshot in the Kotaku article that we're linking to, uh, written by claptrap who says, how do I change my skin? It says I'm black. I wanted to be white, not trying to be racist. I was just wondering why I can't find it. And the, I'm, I'm really hesitant to like make a big social commentary out of a statement like that, where it seems like other people are racing to make some sort of social commentary out of a statement like that. It's like, look, I'm used to, I'm used to being able to change my race and my gender and all this, and I can't find it. And I don't know, like, (laughs) again, like, I guess I'm being really cynical about this because it's, it's almost as if, it's like some used car salesman or something that's like, it's like, where's the antenna for this? Oh, it doesn't have an antenna. Uh, it's a feature because without an antenna, now you can get local radio. You can only pick up AM and listen to that really good old timey local stuff and none of that corporate FM bullshit, you know? Like, it, it, it seems th- there's a quality of that to it that I just, I can't get over. Like, I just can't kind of get over how they're like, they took features away and then when people complained about it, they were like, oh, well, what are you? saying you you only want to play as a white person what are you some kind of racist is like uh no i just thought i missed a menu setting or something i thought it was a bug there's a quality of that to it that uh well, that, that i just can't stop thinking about that is, that is sort of who we are as an as an internet isn't it uh yeah well i don't know i, I can't speak for the whole world but i mean that's america well, in a nutshell right now there's an interest there's actually a very interesting article or a video brand and it's a ted talk that i think was posted maybe five days ago or something yeah. that one of our listeners posted on the on the uh, ogs feed about uh, I think it's called how one tweet can ruin your life or something like okay. that, and it's about uh, a woman. I think her name was Jessica or something. You you probably have heard of her. I, I had not, but she she tweeted something about going to Africa and getting AIDS, and oh wait, I'm white, so that won't happen or something. And okay, she, okay. She, she had like a hundred yeah, she, she had like 150 followers on Twitter. She makes like she tweets like sarcastic jokes or whatever, okay. and she was being mocking. But you can imagine that a tweet that said. You know, I'm going to Africa. I might get AIDS. Oh, wait, I'm white. That won't happen or something like okay, that. Okay, right. Uh, which she meant to be, you know. She meant to be like, like, kind of snarky or something. Right. I mean, she wasn't. Anyway, I mean, you could imagine. She, she got on a plane. She tweeted that right before she got on the plane. She got off of the plane and she was all over like national news right. and had a million hits and whatever. I gotcha. And, uh, it, but it, the TED Talk is a commentary on sort of what Twitter and, and social media uh, is becoming uh, versus what it was intended and what it began as and and that sort of thing. And it speaks to, it's actually an interesting video. It's worth watching as, as are most TED Talks. Cool. Uh, and it speaks to exactly what you are talking about. 
uh, uh, relative to that idea of wanting to jump on the bandwagon. You know, I do have to say, Brent, that one of the first things I thought of when I read this article is for me, and I like to customize things. Like I said, like when we when I played Saints Row Four, me and my good friend uh, Aaron, uh, mm-hmm. we actually created Turk and JD, and so we were playing as the two lead characters from Scrubs, and yes. I loved it. It was awesome, and I love being able to do that. However, I, all I thought when I read this was like, whatever. Like I don't, I don't really care. You know, if 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 you had made me play Shepard as a woman, for example, yeah, I, I, I have no doubt that game would have been exactly as awesome as it was. Right. Right, and so I just like I, I personally was like, oh, okay, so that's what this game is doing. I'm sure that's some sort of microaggression or something. Like, I'm, I'm sure that you're, I'm sure that you're, you're doing something right now that most colleges in this country don't allow you to do. I, I don't know what they call it, but I'm sure it's wrong. You saying that you'd be fine with you know any race, any gender, that's got to that's got to be wrong. I, I don't you're- know why, but I'm sure it is. You're just pissed off and jealous because you've never played a video game as Turk and JD. (laughs) Truer words were never spoken. Welcome back. We're going to hit the road and talk about some of the uh, the games that we're playing this week. I'm going to throw first to Lauren, who's going to tell us a little bit about Rocket League. Yeah, only a little bit, Brent. So I was out of town last week, as you know. I left actually fairly shortly the next day after you and I recorded uh, our last show. And so I didn't get to do a lot of game playing since our last show. But what I did do, based on seeing uh, OGSers, Outlaws, on the website talking about it quite a bit, was I, I made sure to go and download my free copy for you PS Plus owners of uh, Rocket League, which is essentially car soccer. Oh, interesting. Um, I love car soccer on top here. It literally is car soccer, and I saw this as the, one of the PS Plus games, and I thought, well, that's just a really stupid idea. Really? Uh, you've never watched Top Gear? I had no interest in it whatsoever. So the game is, uh, it's, it's on PC, I know, as well. I believe it's 20 bucks on PC, yeah. I believe. Uh, and, and honestly, I didn't check to see if it was on Xbox. I, like I said, it's the PS Plus game of the, of the month uh, through in the U.S. through July. Um, and uh, I went and played it. Uh, and went through the tutorials, and it was a ton of fun. And I cannot wait. I'm dying to. I only got like an hour into it just to play the tutorials. I can't wait to get online with uh, the outlaws who play it. The one thing the game, I believe, uh, and people are just loving this game left and right. I watched Angry Joe's review of it today. He was loving it. Uh, the only th- negative thing right now about the game, other than that the servers are so overburdened that they're, they're that apparently they've been uh, crashing, yeah. Uh, was um, right now there's no real clan support. Unfortunately, I'm hoping that eventually they put that in so so we can customize our cars to have the old OGS logo on it uh, and we can rock an OGS team. But uh, I had tons of fun playing it, man. I hope to have more uh, to talk about next week because I'm really looking forward to trying to get online and playing with some of the other outlaws. Yeah, man. If uh, I mean, like basically the reason this game exists is because of Top Gear because at some point... Hamster and Slow did a segment where they played football with, I can't remember what it was, like, like maybe like little Fiats or something like that. And they yep. had this gigantic soccer ball and these, or, you know, football, obviously, for the international audience. Everyone else Everyone but us. Everyone else yes. but us, yeah, because we play hand egg in this country. But anyway, uh, you know, they, they played fucking football, giant, giant ball, giant goals, and these little Fiat cars. And it's, it's fucking awesome. I mean, like, it looks like I, I desperately want this to become a real sport. I think it looks so fucking fun. And the fact that somebody did a video game of it, best idea ever. Anyway, go on YouTube and look for Top Gear football with cars or something like that. You'll, you'll see what I'm talking about. 
Excellent. Well, hopefully, don't forget, Brent, you know, go, if you haven't done it already, make sure and go to the, your PS4 bef- in the next few days and add it to your library. So if it, when you're ready, if you're not ready to play it now, at least when you are, you'll have it available Just to keep you. talking, and I'll just do it while you talk. Well, there you uh, go. And now over to you, okay. Brent. I really actually don't have that much to talk about either, because I ended up doing a, a restore on my gaming PC, and uh, so I, I didn't end up getting all that much game time in this week. I thought I was going to play today, but I had forgotten to launch GOG, and so I launched GOG, and then it's got to install The Witcher, and then download the patch for The Witcher, which that, that new, uh, what is it, 1.03, that new patch was just released, like 7 gigs or something adds a bunch of stuff, fixes a bunch of stuff, and I just, like, I had, like, 10 minutes or something bef- between the time that downloaded and the time we started recording, so I did not end up getting to play The Witcher 3 uh, this past week. I have been playing Fallout Shelter ad nauseum. I actually, I have discovered that, I have discovered that Fallout Shelter and games like Fallout Shelter are actually a terrible idea if you have any leanings towards OCD, which I do. And the uh, the thing that I... I ran into is I think I mentioned that basically my, my original vault was a vocational academy. Essentially I had something like a hundred and 150 plus dwellers and maybe a hundred of those were actually working in rooms, producing resources for the vault. And the other 50 were just going through this endless series of, uh, of training in, in the rooms to boost their special stats. And, Within the game, your special stats, uh, it, special being an acronym for strength, uh, what, what is it, uh, strength, perspective, I can't remember what P stands for, endurance, charisma, intelligence, agility, luck. And um, I, it's not perspective, I can't think of what it is right now though. But anyway, the point is that there are rooms for those seven stats that you can use to train them up. And <laughs> I ended up creating an entirely new vault because I wanted to do this thing, you know, cause like everything kind of happens haphazardly when you don't have a plan ahead of time. And so like my strength training room was like on level four on the left and my, the, the P training room with perspective, whatever it is that I can't remember right now, like that was on level seven way over on the right. And then the charisma room is like back up towards the top of the vault and, it was just madness, and I, I thought, well, you know, I mean, like, these these stats spell out a, a, a word. What I want to do is I want to have, like, strength, perspective, endurance, charisma, intelligence, agility, luck. I want to have, like, this nice order, you know, like, we're, you know, going down, like, you know, levels 3 through 10, you know, spells out special in my vault. And then, on, you have a and then like, on the other side of the elevator, it would be the reverse. Like, it would spell special going up, levels 10 through 3. And that way, it would be, like, really easy to just, like, keep them organized. And I would just move one group from one room across the elevator uh, into, the, into the next stack, and then I would move everybody down one room. And I had, like, this whole manufacturing process worked out for how this would work and i realized that basically i could never afford to do it i could never afford to destroy all these rooms and then have to rebuild them again and level them up again and all that and so i just started a new vault specifically so that i could do that and i'm currently up to about 82 residents i don't have quite the surplus yet that i really need all the training rooms so i basically got my special and then special going up i've got those rooms set up 
uh, on either side of the elevator, and they're just sitting empty right now <laughs> because I don't have that many dwellers. Uh, so it, it's it's been sort of a mixed bag. It's a bit like it's a bit like going to your high school principal's grave and pissing on it when you're like you know 23 years old and still angry about what an asshole he was. You know, you get done with it and you're like, yeah, it's somewhat unfulfilling. I mean, I'm just conjecturing here. But <laughs> so first of all, you do, you need help. You, you definitely <laughs> need help. And and the the really fucked up thing is that when I go play this game, yeah. I'm gonna have that in my head now when it finally comes out on android i'm gonna have that in my head and i'm gonna have to learn from my mistakes but but here's what i really want to ask you brent okay uh in your first vault or or in your second vault but in your first vault you said you have like a hundred workers right uh, close to 150 are you paying these guys no so essentially, you're a slave owner. Yeah. I, well, okay. Here's the really interesting thing about Fallout Shelter. You know, because ostensibly, <laughs> uh, here comes the rationale from the Southerner. Go ostensibly, ahead. Ostensibly, what's going on in Fallout? Hey, man, my family didn't even get here till after that shit. <laughs> I was with I was with that wave. I was with that that wave of Irish people that ended up getting getting pressed into labor in the the fucking coal mines. Don't blame me for that shit. I apologize to the Southerners for that comment. <laughs> anyway, my point is that. Um, my point is that what what happens in Fallout Shelter is it, it's really interesting how it will turn you into sort of a a, a fascist almost overnight uh, because what'll happen is you'll have um, you know you can you can breed your your dwellers you can put uh, guys and girls together in the uh, in the living quarters and wait for the magic to happen and if they've got high charisma scores then usually the magic happens a little bit faster. But what's fascinating is that let's say you put let's say you put a person like, like you know the guy and the woman they both have I don't know like high strength scores and high uh, agility scores or something like that their offspring tend to favor strength and agility and so that leads to this whole selective breeding sort of program that you without really thinking about the morality of eugenics and things like that you end up doing this whole kind of selective breeding process to make sure you have strong dwellers that can run your your power facilities and dwellers with a lot of agility to run your food production services and all this kind of stuff and before you know it basically you've created an orwellian dystopian society for yourself it's it's really fun <laughs> that sounds it's funny. It's great. It's Jesus. really good. No, it's really funny as long as it happens in the video game. It's just when it happens in real life that it's horrifying. That's a true story. <laughs> but that's Fallout Shelter. Hopefully, you'll get uh, to find out next month. Uh, yeah, Fingers you know crossed. what? Until then, you're actually banned for talking about this. <laughs> I don't yeah, want to hear luck. it. I do good not want to hear forcing it. that shit. Ugh. So let's, uh, let's head into the sunset. It's that time. Uh, what do you got? Well, okay. Now, first, you've got this well, kind of public service announcement thing you're going to do. I do real quick, and, and it, I guess this could be my end of the sunset. But I did want to do a little PSA. Uh, Journey for the PS4 released uh, the day we're uh, recording this, uh, as it is a day late on Tuesday, June 21st. So, uh, if you haven't played that game, goddamn it, go play. It. Even if you have, it's out on PS4. Just so you know. Likewise, the album, um, the day of release, is on sale for one dollar. Uh, directly from Austin Wintry. I don't know if it's only for one day. I couldn't verify that, but you should check it out. It is literally one of the best pieces of music, single pieces of music I have ever uh, been the privilege to listen to, and so I highly recommend yep. it. And then also, Brent, I wanted to throw out there for people that uh, Ernie Klein's new book is out. Came out. Armada. Came out last week. I've got the audio book. Will Wheaton is narrating mm-hmm. it once again. Who is? Uh, it's awesome. It's like the book is the, the two the two books are not related, but they're. Uh, um, 
for the same type of person, I think. And it's just listening to it, putting on, I'm only like an hour into it. It's an 11 hour book, but, um, Hearing Will Wheaton is like it's like it's like I put on an old sweater. It's awesome. Yeah. It just felt so good to to put him on again. So I want to let everybody know that Ernie Klein's new book Armada is out. Uh, a couple of people Dude, mentioned this on I, the OGS. I'm losing site. my mind for that because my Audible credits don't refresh until the 26th of this month, which means I got to wait five more days before yeah. I can get it. It's killing me. That's right. We did. So a couple of people mentioned this on the site. We did reach out to Ernie to see if he'd come back on the show and talk about Armada. Um, he hasn't gotten back to us yet, so if he does, if and when he does, uh, we certainly will invite him back on the show, and uh, of course, hopefully we'll have read the, uh, the book by then, but uh, we'll see if he's able to do that. And then my Into the Sunset, Brent, however, and this is not intended to, I- I'm not trying to pile on to Batman, I'm really, really not, it just seems to keep piling on to itself. <laughs> uh, it's its own fault. And that is, uh, in this last week, the Arkham OGR, Knight uh, we Batgirl, blame the victim. That's <laughs> uh, Arkham Knight Batgirl DLC was released. It was six ninety nine. If you don't have the season pass, uh, there are people on our website who said they literally finished it in ten to twelve minutes. The DLC, um, the article that the DLC, the Batgirl DLC. Okay. Um, that doesn't bode well. The no, the article we're linking to uh, on Forbes magazine says they finished it in about fifty five minutes, and mm. the article is actually titled "Arkham Knight Batgirl DLC Should Have Been Free." No doubt. Um, and so th- this is also a something of a PSA because I think people should know if they're looking at this, what they're getting before they get it. I mean, 45 minutes or whatever of story content, um, I-, I think is, I personally think is not a reasonable for $7. Um, and uh, additionally, I- I'm just shocked. I'm, I'm, st- I'm just utterly shocked. We keep hearing that uh, the patch for the PC patch fix for um, Batman Arkham Knight w- w- may not likely be until... Um, September, maybe even as late as November, um, uh, significant amount of time after the game is released. And I, I'm just shocked that Warner Brothers and Rocksteady are not doing something like giving this, this uh, DLC away for free to try and make up for it. And so, uh, yeah, Brent, I just think, I mean, I, it's just, they, they, they just keep fumbling this all the way around. And it looks like the DLC is going to be no exception. Yeah, that's, uh, that's very disappointing. And um, I was, uh, I don't know, just... I don't, like like you like I, I'm not trying to just pile on, but it just seems like they cannot do anything right when it comes to this freaking game. Bad bad choices. Yes. All right, Brent, what do you have on into the for your into the okay, sunset? Okay, so my into the sunset is a Skyrim mod that sounds pretty what? incredibly epic. I'm linking to an article on PC Gamer. That'll tell you all about it if you're interested. But uh, this Skyrim mod is called the Forgotten City. It is a time travel murder mystery. It is. It sounds incredibly epic. Thirty new characters, twelve hundred lines of dialogue, moral choices, blah blah blah. Uh, here, here's the the quote I'm going to read you. The Forgotten City is a lore friendly expansion to Skyrim with a dark, non-linear story in which you'll discover and explore an ancient underground city. Explain its creator. It's designed as a murder mystery in which players must search for clues, interrogate suspects, and fight monsters, and also. You travel through time. Uh, it's uh, it's just one of, of of many really impressive sounding mods uh, for Skyrim. Of course, I haven't been uh, I've been playing that so much lately since uh, I moved over to The Witcher Three. But I think once uh, once I, I'm ready to put The Witcher Three down, I might have to reinstall Skyrim so that I can uh, I can uh, have a go at this because it sounds and looks very very cool. So anyway, if you're playing Skyrim on PC, if you're looking for something to 
refresh the experience a bit, get you back in, give you a good excuse to go back and play, Forgotten City might be the ticket. So go check that out. I'll be curious to see if you are ever actually ready to put The Witcher 3 mm-hmm. down once you, once you get into it. It's, it is also a game that supports mods. Uh, which is PC. fantastic because I mean it's there's there's so much there that you could do with mods in that game. It's really it would be a, an amazing platform to uh, to build on. I tell you what else would be a really amazing uh, platform if uh, and I mean this game's not on PC, but if it were ever to come on PC and support mods, uh, Red Dead Redemption would I be was amazing. <laughs> I almost uh, put the video. There's a video out there, GTA Five homage to Red Dead Redemption yeah. in honor of the fifth anniversary of Maybe. the game and. Uh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, it's okay. I, I almost put it on the docket because I watched it, and it does. It didn't didn't have any real value except for the fact that I watched it, and uh, you know, got a a, a a tiny gaming chubby when I just heard the the music from Red Dead Redemption and saw John Marston. And maybe we should do a Kickstarter to just port the game ourselves. You know how it could, how expensive you know, could it be? I don't know, but Shenmue just got three five point six million or something. I think we could do better than that for Red Dead. I, I would hope so. Good Lord. Indeed. All right, Brent. With that, we're going to wrap it up and call it a show. As usual, we want you guys to chime in on everything we talked about today, whether it's the Skyrim mod, the Forgotten City, the Arkham Knight Batgirl DLC, the release of Journey on the PS4, or Ernie Klein's book, Armada, Fallout Shelter, Rocket League, uh, the choice that the developers of Rust made to force their race upon you. The game The Flock and its asymmetrical multiplayer with an expiration date, Metal Gear Solid 5, and the, I wouldn't even call it an Easter egg, but the mission referencing specifically Kojima leaving Konami. Uh, Also, the update to KOTOR 2, Randy Pitchford talking about Aliens, Colonial Marines, and No Man's Sky releasing yet another trailer with no release date as of yet. We want to hear what you guys think of that and any topics related to gaming. As usual, he's going to be Brent Adams. I'm going to be Lauren Baumgarten. And remember... You don't stop playing because you get old. You get old because you stop playing. 